Take your Bibles and let's go back to Ephesians where Robbie just read Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. Back when I was a little boy, and I've never been little, so let me change that. Back when I was young, uh, I would say first or second grade, uh, I was, it was... Uh, it was close to my birthday, and uh, I, w- I can't remember if we were going to school uh, early, you know, and my mom was driving me, or if we were out and about, but I was in the car, and the radio was on, which was unusual for my mom to have the radio on, and, and of course, back in those days, you had AM, and that was about it, but anyway, it doesn't matter. We did have in- running water and indoor toilets then, but... Uh, but make a long story short, my mom's goal was for me to hear something on the radio. Now, folks, this is in the day when all the technology that we enjoy today, uh, where you can see your name, hear your name. I mean, people kid me. They'll say, well, have you done your television show today? You know, because twice a week I do a Bible study and put it out on Facebook. And I have people ask me if I've done my TV show today. But, they, you know, to see your name or hear about you, read about yourself, that, that was common. Uh, it's common today. But in those days, it was very unusual. And what my mom's goal was is she had entered me in some contest at some local radio station for some birthday celebration. So they did this drawing. I didn't know she did it. But on the radio, at a certain time, on a certain day, they were going to announce my name Uh, And my mom wanted me to hear that. So she arranged whatever it was, but I can remember to this day, being in the car, and then she turned, you know, she she knew what channel, all that. So she turned the radio way up, and she said, I want to listen to something. And I can remember hearing them say, and it's the first time I'd ever heard my name spoken anywhere, you know, on the radio. And so she said, hush, son, I want to listen to this. Like she needed to hear something. But anyway, the radio station were announcing the winners and it said, and, and our winner for the birthday, whatever, whatever, is Bryce Cox from Weaver, Alabama, you know. And man, you would have thought I had won the election to be governor. I mean, I strutted my stuff. Anyway, I, I can remember going. I remember what they did. It was at some science place in Anniston. Anyway, but hearing your name. But the only reason I heard my name was because my mother made me be quiet and there was complete silence because what she wanted me to hear was very important to her that I, I would hear my name. You know, if there's some amount of money I could give all of us this morning to keep our minds sharp and our mouths shut, to make sure that we hear God's Word, I would do that. Because what we want to talk about this morning is life and death. It's hell or heaven. And I will tell you that many in here, maybe not many, but a few, a few in here may still believe that religion saves. You've never been converted You've never been born again. There's never been a repentance, never been a trust in Christ, never been a new creation. And somehow in your mind, you're thinking that your religion, 
your good deeds, your niceties, your church attendance, your baptism, your church membership is going to save you. But what we learn today is salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. Amen? This is why we preach the gospel. I want you to think about the significance of the gospel with your Bibles open. Just before I read again, I'm not going to read all of chapter 2, 1 through 10. Robbie did a great job of that. Go back to chapter 1 and look at, look at what the Bible says about the gospel. Okay, You know, we call it the gospel of our salvation for a reason. Look at verse 13. I mean, I'm in Ephesians 1, 13. The gospel. And folks... Matter of fact, have you ever heard this little saying? Let's see if I can get it right. It's a little saying that says, uh, okay, it's something like this. It's a little ditty, and maybe you've heard it on the radio or heard a Bible teacher say it or read it in a book. Preach the gospel all the time, and if you have to, use words. So, preach the gospel all the time. And if it's necessary or if you have to, use words. And this some little, and of course, there, the, the thought there is if you, you can live the gospel, and if you have to, you speak the gospel. Well, the gospel was given to preach. You with me? Never in the Bible does the Bible say, if you live the gospel, that's enough for people to get saved. It never says that. The gospel has to be preached or taught or shared. We share the gospel, folks get saved. You have to share the gospel of salvation for people to be saved. We know that from reading Romans Romans 10. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Then the next verse says, how will they hear? Unless there is a preacher. Not talking about me, but somebody who just shares. Who shares the truth. How will they hear without somebody that's speaking God's Word? Implying that the Gospel's meant to be shared, proclaimed, taught. So faith does come by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's the Gospel, and so... So Paul says in verse 13, in Him. And I love that. There's just dozens of times he mentions the name of Christ. His favorite pronoun is Him. In Him. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel. So I want to ask or make you think in your minds this morning about being saved. If you are saved and you are born again, you are saved and born again because at some point in your life, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Because you can't be saved without... Isn't that amazing that God has so set up the plan of salvation that the work of Christ, who is the Word became flesh, that the only means of which you can know Him personally is for the Word to be preached about Him and that Word can make you alive though you're dead. That's what the good news is. If you're here today 
and you've never repented of your sins and trusted Christ, the Bible does say you're dead in sin. But here's the good news. Christ died for sin, so you don't have to die in your sin. That's good news. That's the gospel. That word gospel is two words put together. The word message and the word good. Great. You. E-U. You on, if you said it in Greek, it's euangelion. It's a good message. But that message is meant to be preached. So he says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth. I love the word of truth. The Bible's called the word of truth. The word of God's called the word of truth. But also the Holy Spirit, who really authored the Bible, is called the Spirit of what? The Spirit of truth. So we've heard the word of truth, the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. So the gospel was about who? Who's the gospel? Who's the good news about? Christ. And the good news is, is that the bad news can be erased through belief in Christ. We believe in Him. But what's amazing is we can't, do, we can't believe on our own. We'll get to that in a minute. The gospel of your salvation and believed in Him. And when you did that, you were sealed with a promised Holy Spirit. Robbie, would you get my bottled water for me? I don't... It's like I'm some arrogant curse, but I, I don't mean that ugly, but i just about to lose my voice. Um, so, our part is believing. But what Robbie read, and we'll look in just a minute, dead people, spiritually dead people, can't do anything. So something has to happen to you in order for you to even believe. We'll get to that in just a second. Hey, go back. Look, look at verse 9 and 10. Look at verse 9. I'm still in chapter 1. He, and, and we're going to spend a couple of weeks in, in this passage, so, so don't be fretful. I'm not going to try to cover it all. But look at verse 9 and 10 before we get over to chapter 2. Making known to us the mystery of His will according to the purpose. I like that word. According to the purpose which He set forth in Christ. The word, um, well, first of all, he says, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose. That word, according to His purpose, was it's the word house law. God has a way of doing things and God has made us aware of how God does things. And specifically, we are talking about now about how God saves sinners. This is how God does it, He says. And he says he set it forth in Christ. Um, that set forth in Christ is kind of a, it's, it's really saying a set plan. Set forth in Christ. This is the plan of salvation. That this whole mystery has been set forth in Christ. So everything else we're going to talk about, it, it's talking about Jesus. It's been set forth in Christ. And then he says in verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. And then he says, here's my favorite word, to unite all things in Him. So 
So it is about Jesus. The end story, it's about Jesus. But then he says, to unite all things in Him. So folks, everything, everything about church life, everything about the Bible, everything about discipleship, everything about your maturation, everything about my life and your life, it's ultimately about who? It's all about Jesus. This, this idea of uniting all things in Him, the, the word is an, as a math term. And, and you can look it up, but it means that all these things, it's like numbers in a column. And all these numbers add up to this bottom number. They all add up. So life, all, as of those of us that are, that are saved, all of life adds up to who? It adds up to Christ. And even for those that are not saved, ultimately life is about whether you know Christ or you don't know Christ. Do you know Christ? K-N-O-W? Then you know the peace of God. If you don't know, know Jesus means you don't know peace. So this message is about the gospel. It's about salvation. It's really about Jesus because as as the Scriptures say, He's the sum total of everything. There's just some basic things that we learn about salvation in Ephesians chapter 2. So I just want you to follow along with me. Uh, and this morning, just for the next uh, 15 minutes, I'm going to talk about, about our condition, okay? And then we're going to talk about our salvation, okay? The first three verses of, of Ephesians 2 uh, tell us our condition. Every time I read verse 1, I remember there's a little booklet that was produced. It was, a, it was called the New England Primer. I say primer. It's pronounced primer. The New England Primer or Primer. It was a textbook used in public schools for eons of years. And when they're teaching the alphabet, this is for, for elementary school children. But anyway, it's called the New England Primer. You can look it up. But when it's talking about the alphabet, one of the little phrases that it used, again, the New England Primer, this is how it would introduce A is for Adam. And what they would, A is for Adam. And this is the little phrase that goes with Adam. And this is in the primer. You can order one and read it. In Adam's fall, we sinned all. Let me say it again. This used to be, in, what I'm saying, this was in a public school textbook. You with me? And this textbook was used for dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of years. As a matter of fact, it was used up until like the 30s or 40s, the 1930s or 40s. It was used for a very long time in most public schools. So when they were talking about the letter A, it said, In Adam's fall, we send all. Now, obviously the public school t- kids understood that they were sinners. Now this is what that means. That if you're, if you're, if you're uh, alive and, and, and you've been born into this world, then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, you are a descendant of Adam, right? You with me? Adam is your father, right? He's the father of humanity. 
he, he's, a, he's a type, but he, he was the first one. He, and so in Adam, who was, you know, Adam means from the dirt. Uh, God made him from the dirt, and the word Adam means from the dirt. Interesting. But God made Adam from the dirt, and He breathed life into him. And, and of course, everything was perfect, but then you know um, Eve sinned, and then Adam as the head joined in with that sin. And the Bible says that we that we are descendants of Adam. Adam was a sinner, so we inherit Adam's nature. And so we by nature are sinners, right? So and then so if our nature is and this is what the Bible says, if our if we're a descendant of Adam, we have a sin nature. That means we in the womb are condemned as a sinner. Now God's merciful, but this is what David lamented. You can read uh, Psalm 51. And he said, in, in sin my mother conceived me. And he wasn't saying that my mother having marital relations was a sin. What he was saying was, I, even in the womb of my mother, was a sinner. And we know that because given the opportunity, what do we do even as a little baby? We sin. We don't have to be taught to sin and rebel because by nature we're what? Sinners. So what we learn is that we're when we come to chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, number 1, we learn that we are dead in sin. Look what he says. And you, now he's talking to Christians at the church at Ephesus, right? And if you study, you might discover that this might be, this book may go to more than one church. Some scholars say that, and that's good. Good chance that what I'm saying it's a circular letter too. So not only and we know, you kind of get that when you read the end of the book and Tychicus has told some things. But so but but he says, and you those of us that are saved, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. As in dead people. It's like you know, I didn't get saved and I only know me. I, I know my birth, my second birth. I don't know yours. Now, I've seen some, but I don't know your hearts. So, my birth, I didn't realize the weight of sin. I didn't feel the weight of sin. I didn't think about the weight of sin because I was dead in sin. Dead people can't feel. Dead... Spiritually dead people. Not, you know, I'm talking about spiritual death. I'm, it says, and you were dead. So de- like the weight of sin, the first time I came to grips with how serious sin was, was the first time I heard and understood the gospel. Right? And that's the power of the gospel. And Jesus Himself said His Word would bring conviction. So I heard the Word... I didn't get saved the first time I understood the gospel, but it convicted me. It brought to my thoughts the weight of sin. But as a dead sinner, I can't feel anything. I can't respond. Now, I'm not spiritually. I can't respond because I'm dead. I can't act because dead people spiritually do nothing. So the first thing I find out is... and. I'll tell you what, take your Bibles, we'll take the time to do this. Go to, um, well let's go two places, we need to nail this down. Go to Romans, go to Romans 5 first, okay? 
dead in sin. Go to Romans 5. Um, that's, that's after the book of Acts, isn't it? Acts. Romans 5. Look at verse 12. Acts. I mean, I'm sorry. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, okay, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because what? All sin. And it reminds us of what Romans 3 says, For all have sinned, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. So everybody, everybody's a sinner, and it's death by sin. Uh, that, you find that in the book of Genesis. Death by sin. The soul that sins will surely die. So if, if you're here today, and you're not saved, the alternative is you're dead in sin. Because that's how you were conceived and that's how you live. And given the opportunity, we sin. We just sin by nature. Now, go to 1 Corinthians. Since you're there at Romans, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And hopefully I marked it, but in, Rome, in 1 Corinthians 15... The Apostle Paul says to, to these believers much of the same thing. Um, you may have to help me find it. I didn't mark it in. I know there's, uh, there's two verses here I want to find. Okay, verse 21. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to look, read every verse. It's all right. We're family. You're family. Aren't you glad I'm up here and not you? I mean, you're welcome to try to do this, Robbie. You know how it is. So, sometimes I mess up, okay? I didn't obviously mark my Bible. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. A man. For as in Adam... All die. Death. Okay? Dead. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. So if you're not in Christ, then you can conclude you are dead in sin. Folks, this is why getting saved is such a traumatic and a dramatic event for you because the dead are raised not physical that's in the future but spiritually so god this is hard to believe but the bible says that in salvation god releases the kind of power that he released in creation the same kind of power that He delivered to make something out of nothing, it's that same kind of power that brings you spiritually from death to life. 
So the problem is, according to Ephesians 2, back to Ephesians 2, salvation is wonderful, number one, because without it we are dead in sin. But let me show you something else about being dead in sin. And of course, all of this is because you're dead in sin. I, but there's something else happens, or there's something else that's true. So let's just say, let's take the straw man, and let's say the straw man's here, and, and you're, you're here and you're not saved. And, and listen, I'm not judging you. I'm not happy about this. I want you to be saved. That's why we're doing this. So, but you're dead in sin. Okay? But there's something else that you're struggling with. Not only are you dead in sin, Paul's going to tell us two more things. He says, in which you once walked, okay, you're dead in, but he says you're dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? By the way, trespass is, is to, to, pers- to purposely violate a standard. Okay? It's do not trespass, you trespass. It's exactly, you purposely, that, so that's a purpose, you're a lawbreaker. You mean to break the law. It's rebellion. Sins is the word miss the mark. Because you are in Adam, you're not spiritually alive, so you just go around breaking God's standard. Trespasses and sins. And by the way, can I ask you a question? Does God keep up with your sins? Yes, He does. Okay? It's written in books. And Paul says in Romans 2, that again, I'm talking to you if you're not saved. See, this is what makes salvation great. This was true of me, but God saved me. So if you're here today and you think you're going to get away with it, you're not. Every trespass and every sin is known by God and recorded. And the Bible says you can think you're going to get away with it, But what you're really doing is you're storing up wrath for the day of judgment. So let me plead with you again. If you're here today and you've never been saved, come to Christ for salvation. There's only one name God has given to mankind whereby we can believe in Him and be saved. And that's His Son. But not only are we dead, look what He says, in which you once walked following the course of the world, that could be a whole separate point. So you're, you're sold into the world, right? You're, you've bought into the world, the, the worldly deception that, that rocks you to sleep, like Delilah, just rocks us to sleep. So according to the, the course of this world, following, and part of that, that's why I picked this, following the prince of the power of the air. And... That's another, that's another phrase for Satan, Lucifer, the devil, which the word devil means deceiver. Satan means enemy. So he is our deceiving enemy. And so he says that not only are you dead in sin, but you've been deceived by the world, but really you've been deceived by the devil. Folks, the Bible says in John's John, 1 John that the whole world, this is amazing, in John 5, 1 John 5, the whole world, it's interesting how John would write this, the whole world without Christ is in the lap of Satan. It's, lo, it's the word for laying in the lap. 
like a baby would be in your lap. So the world is rocking you to sleep. The whole world, the whole the sinners lie in the lap of the devil. So so we're we're being rocked to sleep by the world and the devil. But look what he but look what he says. He says the prince of power, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience. So not only are we deceived in the sense of being rocked to sleep, but we demonstrate that by acts of obedience, disobedience. Do you know what Revelation, the book of Revelation says in Revelation 12? When it's describing, this is, this is the end of the story. This, to me, this is incredible. This is the end. This is during the, after the tribulation. This is after the thousand year reign. And, and Jesus is setting up a, He's making everything new and, and there's going to be a new heaven, new earth. But it says in Revelation chapter 12, it says, He mentions Satan and he, Jesus calls Satan, He says, because He's cast out of heaven and, he, and, and He's thrown into hell with the, the false prophet and, and the Antichrist. But anyway, it describes Satan... Jesus calls him the deceiver of the whole world. So, listen, if you're here today and you're not saved, not only are you dead in sin, but the Bible says you are deceived by Satan. And you have, because he deceives the world. He's the deceiver. That's what he does. And I can tell you some of the things he's convincing you. He's convincing you that we're hypocrites. Like, you're sitting there, because I've been there, you might be sitting there, you're not saved. There's somebody here that's not saved. And you're sitting there thinking, well, so-and-so claims to be saved and they live like the devil. Or you're thinking, well, um, I'm a good person compared to somebody else. Or you're, or you're just thinking, this is a joke. But we know it's not a joke. Because something happened 2,000 years ago that only God can do. Right? He conquered death. Right? And He came out of a tomb alive. And that same Jesus who's alive is the one you trust in. He's alive. And He gives life. On chapter 1, you know, Paul talks about this power of the resurrection. He can resurrect us spiritually and He will resurrect us physically. He can do that because He did it. So we believe in Him. That's what we're believing in. He saves us. from, And that's what you're believing in. I, you know, for years we... We would call people to believe in Jesus, but we wouldn't explain Jesus. We would persuade them to say a prayer, but we wouldn't explain the Jesus you're believing in. You're believing in the Christ who lived a perfect life and died when He didn't have to, instead of you dying. And that's what you're believing in. Because without Him, you're dead in sin and you're deceived. You're bought, and listen, that's what you're battling with right now. The deceiver is, and, and as a matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that one of the, he, he, he blinds you. He blinds the minds of unbelief. If you're here today and you're not saved, what you're struggling with is 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, it says the devil will blind the minds of unbelievers so they won't believe the gospel. You're struggling with that. But you're dead in sin you're deceived by the devil, and the Bible says the only hope you have is the gospel of Christ that's going to penetrate and give you the opportunity to be saved. So it says here that we're dead and we're deceived, right? 
And this is going to be brutal. I'll finish with this because we are out of time. These are just three simple reasons why you must be saved, okay? You're dead in sin. You're a descendant of Adam. You need to have a second birth. Does that make sense to you why you have to be born again? And just as you descended from Adam, the Bible says you believe in, you believe in Christ, you really believe in Him and trust Him, you're a descendant of His. That means you get His genetics, spiritual genetics, because you're born again from an incorruptible seed. And See, the Bible covers all this. You are born again from a spiritual sperm. That's exactly what 1 Peter 1 says. So God's seed, when you believe, comes and implants itself in you and you change. That's called the new birth. Or born again. Or born from above. And the Greek word is wonderful. It's again. It's the word again and the word Genesis. To begin again. Isn't that awesome? New life. And you change because His seed births you. So you're dead, you're deceived. Now this will hurt all of our feelings. Then he says in verse 3, "...among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind." And look what he says, "...and were by nature children of wrath." So if you're, if you're alive, if you're born into this world and you do not do anything... You will spend your life as a children of wrath, right? That's when it goes to storing up wrath matters. If you're not saved, children of wrath. Well, and you live, you live in sin. You're a sinner. And so the third D, and this is, I'll explain it. I'll take times. You're dead in sin. You're deceived. And the third D, if you don't mind me using it, is the word depravity. Now what I mean by depravity is that if you're not saved, Sin reigns in you. It rules. He's the king. Sin is, is, at, is control. He's Lord. Sin, the devil, is, you're, you're, you're a child of the devil. Let's just, that's what Jesus said. Okay, so, so he controls you. So when I say depravity, and it mentions all these different kind of sins, he controls you. It's not that you're as bad as you could be. What it, depravity means is that sin affects all parts of my life. It affects my, my thinking. It affects my actions. It affects my intentions. It, affect, it affects my relationships. It, it affects every part. You know, So every part of your life as an unsaved sinner, the devil in sin affects every part of your life. So you're depraved. But you're nothing. So you're dead deceived, right? And depraved. Now, we close chapter chapter 2, verse 4. Here's a great conjunction, isn't it? But God. But God. Jesus saves. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. 
Twice he mentions been saved by grace. Folks, if you're here today, you can't make yourself alive. Did, see what it says? It may it says you were dead, and look what it says in verse five, and we'll we'll close. Because he loved us, he's going to tell us we believe when we believe, made us alive together with Christ. Nobody can make themselves be born. A conception doesn't happen because the sperm and the egg think. It's an act outside of you. God, through Christ, can make you alive. But you have to believe the Gospel. If you're here today, and without Christ, I'm begging you, trust the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. To be saved from sin, yourself, and damnation. The Philippian jailer asked that question. What must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So I'm telling you today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Our heads are bowed and and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open to the Lord. And Folks, as we pray and think about the invitation... First, I want you to think about how glorious it is that God saved you. It is a powerful thing to know that a dead a person that's dead in sin can be made alive when they believe in Jesus. It's just an incredible thing. So God is a God of salvation. God wants to... And that's why Christ came, to save sinners. So listen, if you're here today and, and, and we're not judging you I've been saved over 45 years. I want you to know, I still remember what it was like to be lost. I don't think I'm better than you. God didn't love me any more than He loves you. Just as God saved me, He can save you. And if you're here today and you're without Christ, we're not judging you. At some point, all of us that are Christians heard the gospel, and it was the gospel of our salvation. God enabled us to come out of death to life by His mercy, and He birthed us anew. We want that for you. But I'm asking you to repent. It means change directions. You've got to willfully do this and trust in Jesus Christ as God's Son, as the Redeemer, as the King and His Lord. You're not asking Him to keep you out of hell. You're asking Him to save you from sin and to be your Lord. That's what you're asking. I'm asking you today to repent and believe. We always talk about the ABCs, and it is the ABCs. We admit, believe, and we confess. Have you ever trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?
And the Bible says if you have, you've been made new. You have been born again. You've been born from above. You've been born by the power of God. Can you say without a shadow of a doubt, Brother Bryce, I've been born again? You know, if I were to ask you, if you know for sure that you're saved, I want you to raise your hand. You know what you would do. If you're here today and you cannot raise your hand that you've been saved, this is what's going to happen now. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. And there, Christians may want to make a decision, and that is fantastic. Make a fresh commitment to the Lordship of Christ. But the, the main part of the invitation today is I'm inviting you personally to repent of your sins and to accept Christ. And, and maybe you need my help to do that. Maybe you need to come down here and, and let me answer a few questions or Robbie will answer those questions for you. Maybe you're going to do it right there where you are. But we're going to stand and sing, and we call it a hymn of invitation, because I'm inviting you as a lost sinner to, come, to repent and to come to Christ. And I want you to know that all of us in here that are saved have done this. The devil don't want you to move. And you may, you may not repent yet, but you know you need to. You may need to come down and talk to me and talk to Robbie or somebody. That's fine. The devil's going to want you not to come. You're going to be thinking, what's so-and-so going to think about me? Maybe you're with a boyfriend or girlfriend, and you're thinking, what are they going to think about me? Well, they don't care what they think about you. Christ died for you. I'm inviting you to repent of your sins and trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Father, we love You and thank You for salvation. Save somebody, we pray in Christ's name. We stand and sing. The Savior is waiting. We stand we know it well. If you need to come, I'm going to be waiting right down here. You come right now.